1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen. Let's see. And today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. So head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. So big thanks to NetHealth. And on to today's episode. So this month, if you've been listening to our past podcast for this month, it's all about the business side of physical therapy. And before I get to my guest, I want to remind everyone that tomorrow, Tuesday, the 27th, we will have our our round table talk with all of the guests from this month. So that includes Erica Mello, Dr. Michelle Colley. Dr. Josh Funk, our guest today, Dr. Shante Cofield, a.k.a. the Movement Maestro. So we've got four amazing entrepreneurs in the physical therapy world, plus myself, if people have questions about cash-based PT. Each of these entrepreneurs brings a really special background. We are talking probably 40-plus years of entrepreneurial experience If you were to get all these people in one room, if you were to reach out to each of them privately, it would be like $5,000 worth of advice that you can get tomorrow, Tuesday, the 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a fraction, fraction of that price. So all you have to do is go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, click on the tab for Roundtable Talks and sign up. And you can sign up even Today, if you're listening to this on Monday, you can sign up for this on Tuesday. And as a matter of fact, you can sign up for this whenever you want because it will be available from now until whenever I decide to take it down, which will probably be never. But if you want your questions asked by the Stellar Group, I highly suggest you sign up. If you miss it, you can still ask your question. It will still get answered, and you can always watch the replay. So like I said, my guest today is Dr. Josh Funk. He is the founder and CEO of Rehab to Perform. So Josh was born and raised in Montgomery County, Maryland. Attended Poolsville High School. He went on to play Division I lacrosse and earn a BS degree from The Ohio State University before earning his Doctor of Physical Therapy degree from the University of Maryland, Baltimore. It was a little over three years after graduating from Maryland that Rehab to Perform was founded in late 2014. So... He talks a lot about his business. I'm not going to go into all of that. Josh and I also talk about the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, which he is a graduate of, and I am in the midst of it as we speak. Uh, If anyone has more questions about that program, you can reach out to me or you can reach out to Josh as well. We reference it quite a bit in this podcast. I just wanted to give you guys the heads up. So if you're ready, get your notes because Josh drops so much good information in this podcast. It is insane. So a huge thanks to Josh and everyone. Hopefully you can join us tomorrow. That's Tuesday, the 27th, 8 PM Eastern Standard Time for our roundtable talk. If you are interested at all in the business side of physical therapy. Hey, Josh, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today.
0: Karen, thanks for having me. I'm uh, just a big fan of everything you have going on and just everything you're doing for people in the profession.
1: Oh thanks. That's nice to hear. And today, well, actually this whole month, we are talking about the business side of physical therapy. And so I wanted to have you on because from what I can tell, not that I'm knee deep into your business, but from what I can tell on social media and your website is, man, you are really growing. You have a a budding business. It's an interesting business. It looks like your customer service is top-notch and people genuinely like your business and they like you. So let's talk about the growth of your business and how you were able to do this in, I would say, a relatively short amount of time. So I'll just throw it over to you to just talk about your, your business. Why don't you talk about your business first so that the listeners know who you are, what you do, where you are. And then we'll get into how you've grown so quickly.
0: Absolutely. So uh, for the listeners out there, I am the owner of Rehab to Perform. It's a fitness-focused physical therapy company uh, offering, f- obviously, physical therapy, sports rehabilitation services, concussion rehab. Uh, and then we have a couple different wellness offerings, uh, including a golf program, golf fitness program, and R2P Plus, which is kind of a discharge program. That people utilize uh, an app, receive home workouts, and are able to communicate with their PT uh, after a more formalized discharge. But uh, you know, you alluded a little bit to, to the growth that we've had over the years. We've been very fortunate the past couple of years, uh, including even during a challenging year last year, just to continue to be able to move forward. Um, I would, if I had to break up the time that the business has been in existence, I would say. Uh, you have the first three years, and then you have the last kind of three and a half, almost four years. First three years, really just trying to figure things out, put the pieces together, um, do everything you can, honestly, to, to get out of debt, have that minimum viable product. Uh, and, and, and when I was thinking about that minimum viable product, viable product, a lot of it surrounded creating an environment where PT was not a grudge purchase. So how do you create healthcare and physical therapy that is not a grudge purchase, it's something that has very, very minimal friction. People easily interact with it uh, from a from a you know front desk customer service standpoint, uh, and then when they actually experience the clinical side, it is something that speaks to them. It is something that is enjoyable, uh, and that goes for everything from just the processes and the kind of people that you have, as well as the deliverables. So, uh, you know, these past three and a half years, we've been fortunate to. Um, you know, heading honestly into opening our sixth location this fall, uh, and we're very, very close to opening our seventh location uh, in early Q1. We are based out of the DMV, and for anybody who's unfamiliar with that, that is DC, Maryland, and Virginia.
1: Awesome. I mean, it's just it's pretty amazing, and you you hit on something that I want to talk about really quick before we go into the how you grew, but that's creating a culture. That's not a grudge purchase. So let's talk about how you created your business culture, because I think this is something that is often overlooked, especially in, uh, in, in a lot of businesses, but how did you create that culture for your employees and for your patients?
0: I think if I start with the employees, uh, I think a big part of what at least has influenced me was being in situations in which I perceived there to be too much rigidity in terms of the how, um, and there was not enough autonomy given to people to just execute. Everybody executes things slightly different. Uh, and much like I would say a good clinical framework, but if you have a very, very good uh, cultural framework for your company, people kind of bounce back and forth between the guardrails, so to speak, but you don't have this rigid playbook um, or rigid rules that are in place. There's a little bit of flexibility, adaptability, and at the end of the day, it is a shared um, Way of doing things. It's a collective, and it is not a top-down style of leadership. It is more of this uh, what I'll call like circular leadership. So people are more familiar with, you know, an organizational chart uh, that's more formal. Obviously, you have somebody at the top, and it kind of trickles down. And uh, always, whether or not it was you know anything from a student internship program to a specific program that I mentioned earlier, or um, somebody who's taking a role just on a project, or uh, somebody who's in charge of a specific location, there is a, cert- a certain amount uh, of autonomy that they are able to, to have. And I think that that ownership that is created really allows people to, uh, I think, engage more. When I think of somebody who has more autonomy, I think of somebody who's automatically going to be more engaged. And then if I think that I take it to the, the consumer, the customer, and I always like to call them clients because at the end of the day, especially in a place like uh, Maryland, you know, they have a choice. Direct access uh, is something that we have uh, almost, you know, a, 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 I would say the most liberal uh, version of it uh, in the United States. We have more than probably seventy-five percent to eighty percent—I can say definitively—on a regular basis of people who come to us without having a physician tell them to come to us. So, um, that being said, the only way that that happened was creating. An environment that was enjoyable. I wanted to create Cheers, a barber shop in your local bar, and deliver PT. So the more that you can make it um, something that resonated with them, and for me, I always thought of a gym environment. It was very, very enjoyable. People liked being at the gym. You rarely wanted to, you know, potentially leave as well. So when you walk in, um, you know, it, it's it's open, it's friendly. There's quotes. There's gym equipment. There's a certain way of greeting people. People are going to greet you that aren't even necessarily your PT. The manner in which you're communicated to uh, is going to be, uh, you know, there's a a certain amount of intent and thoughtfulness behind it. Um, What you're going to be provided during that session uh, is going to be something that ideally you you leave with and you go, this is personalized, individualized, and it resonated with me. So um, I always thought about trying to create an environment where somebody went, Oh, man, I got something small going on. I'm just going to go right into rehab to perform because I love going there. I get to go there instead of I have to go there. And that small change, and we can go down to all of the many pitfalls of your local POPs uh, physician place that's sterile, right? It's boring. Um, You have something that looks cookie cutter. You are doing the same thing almost every single session, There's a lack of connectivity, right? There's not even music at some of the places in there. Everybody's wearing the same exact thing every single day, right? And we can go down that rabbit hole that people went down recently on Twitter surrounding professionalism. Um, But I I think overall, just, you know, you create an environment that, um, and if I take it back to the top, you create an environment that has been shaped by so many people that have been a part of our company too. I I might be the CEO at this point, but I'm just a really good listener. Just listen to people and we make changes based on what the group wants. I'm not sitting here um, and and just telling everybody that I have all the answers. It was no different than advice that I gave to uh, a young clinician the other day where he was like, where's the first place I need to start? And I was like, the first thing that you need to start with is admitting that you don't have all the answers. And the sooner you get somebody that's a cultural fit that comes in your place and they show you a new way of doing things the better off you'll be. But too often, I think people get in a situation where they can't let go or they can't allow other people or they think they've found the special sauce. And I sit here today with a team of about 35 people. And I will tell you that I will listen to the new pe- new front desk person that we just hired because she has new perspective and a new way of viewing things. And she can add value. And we never get to a point where ideally where that, that fixed project um, fixed product um, and, and it has been that collaboration over the years that led us to both have an environment that people enjoy working in uh, and an environment that people enjoy uh, interacting with the professional physical therapy.
1: Excellent. And, and this is going to sound really familiar to you, but um, it sounds to me like your operations and processes. So it. I say that to Josh. Josh and I both took, well, I'm still in it. He has taken the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program. We were talking about operations and processes, which is one of the modules before we came on. And the thing that resonated with me, with what you just said is you, so you give people the process or the sub process, let's say, and the details are up to them. So you're giving them autonomy. And to me, that leads to innovation, it leads to better care, it leads to better efficiency, because you're allowing people to make the process their own while still getting the work done, right?
0: Yes, and I would say that that makes me think of the number one question that we ask when something gets done wrong is not a people person, it is a process problem first and foremost. And we go to that person and say, hey, how can we make sure that this does not get done wrong again? Okay? We did not provide you with enough support. We did not provide you enough clarity. We did not provide you enough whatever. But I'm asking that person who may have automatically been on the defensive because they got something wrong, quote unquote, and instead they're becoming a part of making sure that process is easier. It takes less steps. There's more clarity, whatever. Um, And then there's ownership. And then they automatically feel like, oh my God. Okay. Now, instead of me getting yelled at, I'm in an environment where when screw ups happen, we we just work on it and make it better. Like then they show up to work every day and you never really worry about screwing up because what do I tell people all the time? We move fast, we break shit, we fix it, we move on. Okay. And at the end of the day, we are, we're trying to move Relatively quickly, we're trying to be agile. We're trying to make sure that we're doing everything we can to kind of get out in front of, uh, you know, really the, the you know the profession and healthcare as a whole, and ideally continue to um, show other people that you know there's a different way of viewing things, a different way of doing things.
1: Yeah, I love it, and and that is something that I I didn't really think of before until literally today, um, <laughs> just before we went on the air is all. The- <laughs> all these like operations and processes, which I always thought were so rigid, right? But if you give people the autonomy and innovation, I can only imagine that helps you grow faster and smarter. So let's talk about your growth. How did this happen? I think we can confidently say operations and processes are a big part. What else helped you to grow your practice? Because I think there are some listeners out there who might be at the stage, like, I'm gonna grow my practice, but I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: I think it you know, a lot of it starts with just continual self-analysis. And I think that I finally got to a point where I recognized that me working in my business was the single biggest uh, blockade to us moving forward. And I think part of that also was me recognizing that I I have a little bit of a unique skill set. And that's not to say that my skill set is more important, but then from a collective standpoint, my brain works a lot more in branding, sales, and marketing. um, And I needed to be spending more time in that area. So I'd say about three years ago, I finally stepped back. And I put myself in a position where I was spending more time than ever on the ins and outs of the brand of our company, the brand of the profession within our company, our sales and marketing strategies. Uh, and then, to be quite honest, doing a better job of making sure that we had more uh, of a predictable rollout when opening up a new office. So um, at this point, you know, we have. I hate to go back to processes again, but we have a, a very clearly defined rollout. and it starts about six months out and every 30 days you're doing X, y, and z and there are you know, at this point, I hate to say it, but you're almost following a, a playbook. And much like I referenced earlier, it's not necessarily rigid, but we know that at least if we're doing these things here um, and at least 90% of that, we're going to put ourselves in a, in, in a good place to be successful. But I think you know the biggest thing was recognizing, that I had what it took and it was after the Goldman Sachs uh, 10,000 small businesses program to actually operate a business. Because before that program, I was solely a PT who had hired myself to deliver good PT. I wasn't necessarily doing everything that I needed to, uh, to, to support the team and to put us in a position where growth was naturally happening. Now, if I get back to Why we're growing now, I think we've put equal investment on people, we put equal investment into our local communities, and we put equal investment into the the company as a whole. And as long as we continue to feed those three different areas, maintain uh, lines of communication, I think we're going to continue to be successful when we go in and we just opened up a new location last Monday. Um, And and I think we're going to just put ourselves in a good spot and that kind of goes to just some foundational things for me I know a lot of people hear the word capitalism um, and I think they th- there's enough stories out there and examples of, of, of what I would consider more of the that poor version of capitalism that crony capitalism um, one that maybe is a little bit more focused on uh, you know your your your, um, your your money right you're just focused on bottom line and that's pretty much it but I think about capitalism I always want to think about being a conscious capitalist and a conscious capitalist is somebody that is mindful of all stakeholders. All stakeholders being the people on your team, they all matter. The small people, the big people, whatever you want to, you know, view people. The people have been with you forever. The people that are new, right? You have to make sure that you're placing value in those people. And then for us, we have five different community uh, hubs, so to speak, that we have initiatives under just to make sure that we're making connections. We're involved. We're engaged. We have a pulse on the community, and then we're finding ways to meet people where they're at outside of our four walls ideally. Deliver value even without asking for anything in return. So that that conscious capitalism piece—that's one of my favorite books. I think that's always been something that's kind of been near and dear to my heart. And and putting something out there from a business product standpoint that people can look at and say, you know what, that's a that's a that's a business of the future, just in terms of how it's run.
1: So let's talk about that foray into the community because that is important. So if you are setting up shop in a community. Um, What advice do you have for budding entrepreneurs and and therapists who maybe have been in practice for 10 or 15 years, but maybe they've sort of stalled, you know, because that can happen, right? So what are some examples of your community outreach or or outreach, excuse me, or how you uh, insert uh, rehab to perform in the community?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it centers around our avatars and our avatars being like our ideal consumer, right? Who who is your target audience? Who interacts with your business the most at the location in which you have right now or locations? Uh, And you build out the community touch points that that person has. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll be quite candid. I don't think anybody will be surprised, but I view the 35 to 50 year old female in the community as probably being the single most influential person um, in your local community. Probably you can stretch that 35 to 55. She is in a family where she is literally dictating the decisions for the uh, head of household, the kids, the uh, grandparents, the in-laws, etc. There is nobody who is more influential in terms of what people are doing in the family and where they're going. So if you just appreciate that as a whole, then you start to look at a little bit more of trends um, and some of the metrics surrounding where that type of demographic is interacting. And for us, we also build this into our five hubs. So, you know, from a medical standpoint, fitness standpoint, business, youth sports, and schools. What is that particular target demographic doing? Where are they interacting? Where are they going? Uh, and then you start to have a little bit better idea of where you potentially need to develop your connectivity. But initiatives under those five umbrellas, after first and foremost creating that lead avatar, um, is something I would recommend to everybody. We do have other avatars. I would say, you know, for us, it's a competitive athlete, college athlete, high school athlete. Uh, you know, your your club school uh, youth sport athlete. So. You know, who are the influencers in that community? Who are the influencers providing guidance to that individual? There's everything from skills coaches to strength and conditioning coaches to the actual sport coach to the club director to the athletic director. And you start to build out these chains um, of of almost influence that that these people are, are connected to. And you have a better idea of who you need to have that market relationship with. And when I think of marketing, I always think of market relationships, right? It's not necessarily creating a piece of content to put in front of somebody. It's not necessarily, you know, sending somebody something and giving them a hard sell. Sometimes it's just a, Hey, I saw your work. I'm connected with so-and-so. They just came into the office. You know, I keep hearing more and more. And I'm at least curious at this point, can we go grab coffee or can we get on a phone call? I'd love to learn more. And the more that you're genuinely curious about people and you're invested in learning about them and, and and actually taking the time to show that you're, uh, you're you're genuinely interested in that particular relationship i think the easier that these relationships come about they're authentic people can feel them and it becomes a lot easier for you to get into what the most important is uh, part is who you are what you do and 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 how you solve people's problems so once you have those uh, three things communicated. and I should say once you have that authentic relationship, it's much easier to clearly uh, communicate the those three things that you bring to the table. once again, name what it is that you do and how you solve people's problems. So, that's kind of a little bit of the behind the scenes just in terms of uh, you know my thought processes. when we go to a new location, you know we have our initiatives, we have a pretty good idea of what works. Obviously there's some uniqueness to each area, but we're starting to develop those relationships at probably a, a, a relatively early time period. Um, I mentioned before we have a six month clock that we we function off of. Um, And really, you're just trying to find a way to almost solve their problems before they even necessarily need to send somebody into your office.
1: Yeah. Amazing. I love everything about what you just said. And I really hope it gives people listening who are maybe thinking of starting their own practice or expanding. Like, this is work. Yes. Right? It's not like, I'm going to open up a practice just because I feel like it. This is, like, you have to do, this is done before you open your doors. You need to know who your avatars are, your ideal clients, your ideal customers, whatever you want to call them. And you have to build them out. And there's more than one. And for every single one of those, there is a separate marketing plan. There is a separate communication plan. For each and every one of those avatars, you do not use the same marketing plan for, well, the 35 to 50 year old woman who, yes, the women are the users and the decision makers. We all know that. They run the Um, show. There's no secret. Anybody out
0: there who says no, you're in denial. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Sorry, wrong. Um, Yep. But, you know, you're going to market and communicate with them differently than maybe the local college athlete.
0: Yes. Right. 100%. They have so, different needs, different interests, different places that they're frequently interacting in the community. 100%. Yeah, with you. I love, yeah.
1: I love everything you just said. I think that is just a wealth of, uh, advice for anyone listening to this podcast. Ooh, I can't wait till we do our round table next week. Be <laughs> awesome. Um, or I shouldn't say next week we're recording this a little early yeah, and it's, it's tomorrow coming, yeah. it'll yeah. be tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so now everybody the jig is up. It's not live. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, no I love that. All right. And then last thing um about growth and movement within a business is really assembling a good team. Yes. So talk to me about how you assemble your team or teams within your business.
0: Here's the part that I'll be at least honest about that early part of the business and say, some of it was just damn good luck. The first person that I had a part of my team probably could not have been more of a culture fit than if maybe he was a part of my own family. So we went to PT school together. We didn't grow up very far at all from a high school standpoint. Family values were all very, very similar. We had very similar, uh, outlooks on the world, similar uh, ideas when it come to, came to leadership. And when you asked us in general what your principles and values were that governed your life, they were very, very similar. So I was fortunate to actually, and I'll probably get a couple of chuckles here. I convinced him to quit his job right after his wife uh, had delivered their first child. I think that um, their first child was four at the time. And I gave him three months of paper checks. And I said, hey, There's enough money here for you to quit your job and uh, give it a go. But nonetheless, he uh, helped me kind of shape the culture of the company. Our next hire was uh, a female who was more compliance oriented, somebody that we definitely, definitely needed. And then the fourth person, uh, some people might be familiar with Dr. Jared Boyd. He's now uh, an NBA uh, PT for the Memphis Grizzlies and his commitment to, I'd say, research uh, and the clinical side of things was kind of what Zach and I needed. And what we needed was contrast. So we overlapped on a lot. And we were able to find contrast in terms of areas in which we didn't have a natural affinity to, or really have that much interest in diving into. And then moving forward, um, we hired people predominantly off of, once again, a collective decision-making process. It was, hey, is everybody comfortable with hiring this person? There was no one person in charge of the hiring process. And a lot of uh, what we did was make sure that there are multiple touch points for that person to interact with our business. So whether it was an early uh, exploratory phone interview that then would follow into a formal phone interview, obviously you'd have things like a background check, references, et cetera, And then you would actually have them come into the office and spend some time. Hey, shadow people, spend time at the front desk. Um, And you start to get multiple touch points where every single person at the office had at least interacted with them enough to go, yes, or we've had more than our fair share of no's where somebody got a wrong vibe or something was said or something was picked up on. Um, But making sure that, you know, hires, especially at this stage in the game where we do have five locations, me hiring for a location, and me being the sole decision maker is silly. I do not work at an office with these these people for 30 to 40 hours. I'm spending a much smaller block of time. So at the end of the day, the people that need to have the most influence are the people that actually are the leaders at that office, that are at that office every single day that, to be quite honest, probably have more control over what's going on in the culture and in the environment at that particular office than I do. So uh, once again, I think it goes a little bit more to like your decentralized leadership style and your, you have more of this flattened approach uh, to leadership where a lot of people are involved. But if we talk about just central pieces to to team, what are your values? What are your principles? Those have to be the early conversational um, uh, points that, that, that drive the conversation about whether or not this person's a fit. We have our core values literally on the wall at every single office. It is transparent so much even that the clients can see them, you know? So when, when you start your company based on core values and principles, um, everything from, for, I mean, a couple like just basic things, obviously, you know, education, uh, empowerment, community. Um, for us, I mean, you're talking about principles on offense at all times, right? Um, solutions instead of problems, or th- we say thumb first instead of pointing a finger. Right? What can you do to potentially change something than than pointing a finger in another direction? So I think when the foundation of the company is is just so grounded um, in in the those core principles and values, you have people that are culture champions. And at the end of the day, people understand that the the soul. Uh, reason why we've been able to do that, we've been what we've been able to do uh, is attracting people for the right reasons. It's not people that necessarily are championing solely their GPA or their clinical knowledge and expertise and kind of beating their chest about how smart they are. It's first and forno- foremost, like, how does this person align with us on a foundational level? We know that at the end of the day, that person will become the best version of themselves within the company because they value what the rest of the collective values. So I know it went a bunch of different directions there, but I think um, we've been, yeah, I mean, we've been very um, just purposeful um, and there's been a lot of of evolution, I'd say there over the years and um, knock on wood, and I never like to obviously say this without just just being aware that it's not just me, it's our whole team, but we have only had three PTs in almost seven years decide to leave the company. One was for the MBA, One was for home health because she wanted to spend more time with her kids and another one took a military job. So we've not had a single person yet that's had a parallel move um, to somewhere else in the local community. Um, They've either completely moved and are on a base somewhere or in a professional sports organization or in home health, spending more time, uh, you know, raising their family, things that we can't compete with as a company.
1: Right. Amazing. And, and I really like that your approach to hiring, I guess it's a hiring funnel. You know, we talk about sales funnels and marketing funnels. You have a hiring funnel where it starts with some exploratory calls to more formal, and then you keep going down. So you may have a hundred exploratory calls, but as you funnel down into how many ideal candidates are for the job, maybe it's two.
0: Yep. Yep right? hundred percent. So I think it's a
1: nice visual for people to see that.
0: I am involved in exploratory and that's literally about it at this point. I will get resumes and stuff will catch my eye or somebody will connect with me on social media. And there'll be something that I'm at least like, Hey, let's explore this. And I'm often handling an exploratory call. I'm looping in people, most likely the site directors at potential offices that could hire this person. And then they actually start to incorporate the other members of their team for calls as well. So it really becomes a point where this person goes, Oh my gosh, I to be a part of this team. I I better make an impression four different times or five different times because all of these people are important. And if any one single person says no, then we move in a different direction. And that Mm -hmm. has happened before.
1: Mm -hmm. Amazing. I love it. Okay. So um, we touched upon your company culture, we touched upon your avatars, your team, how you've been growing. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Is there any other major point that you wanted to hit um, about the growth of your company that we didn't touch upon that you're like, man, this is super important. I really want people to know this. And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Josh's answer. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth is a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit.
0: I think a a balanced dashboard is very, very important. And I think that in a world where people do focus a lot on productivity and utilization, right? Units or how many slots you have filled. And I'm not here to say that that's not important because at the end of the day, you need to have a business that is delivering a service for a certain amount of time and having an individual which you're providing a salary, benefits, etc., cetera, PTO, whatever, um, some, some benefit that certain things are also uh, you know reciprocated. So uh, it's not to devalue those, but to paint a better picture of business health and metrics that would support, at least for us, when I think of smart growth, it's like, all right, how do I know that we're just not adding locations and the quality is rapidly diminishing? Okay. That stuff over there, good. We get people in the doors. Okay. Yes. In terms of just keeping the lights on, we need to be able to have a certain amount of billable units. And if we hire somebody, they need to have a certain amount of slots allocated. Beyond that, what else is meaningful for us to continually be looking at? So net promoter score and churn rate are two big metrics that I'd say we've looked at more and more, especially over the past two years for people who are unfamiliar with net promoter score, it's considered a gold standard with regards to brand loyalty um, and the, the, creating the kind of word of mouth uh, referral uh, generating that I think all of us are looking for. So um, I, I say this once again, just to provide perspective, but we add locations, we have to make sure that the company stays above 90, which is considered world-class. Um, and when we, don't or something pops up where somebody is say below 90 for a given quarter um you know there's certain just conversations that are had in addition to the fact that when we have a 7 or 8 or a 6 or below there are certain things that are happening internally to make sure that we are being mindful that somebody's either potentially a little bit passive on what we have to offer uh and they've communicated that or they potentially might be somebody who's going to drop off uh and then when you think about churn rate Just think about somebody interacting with their business, them having a negative experience and not even really giving it a chance for you to work with them to get towards ideal outcomes. At the end of the day, we're trying to drive outcomes. So when you get somebody in and you've put time and energy behind communicating what it is, who you are, what you do and how you solve their problems, and they get so turned off after a visit, two visits or three visits that they've gone somewhere else or they've just altogether potentially left the profession. Uh, that's not necessarily a positive thing. There is metrics out there to support that say if they get to four visits, they are X amount more likely to actually go through a plan of care and be able to see some of those ideal outcomes that I think all business owners would think that their business can uh, can provide. And then you know outside of that, I mean obviously online reputation, uh, being mindful of Facebook reviews uh, and Google reviews, those are some some big ones for us. Uh, and then. You know, not to completely discredit your functional outcome measures, right? I mean, there are certain things in Web PT we have afforded where you're able to track pain from IE to DC, you're able to track satisfaction, goals met, uh, in addition to uh, some of your outcomes measures that are a little bit more formal. And yeah, the insurance company's telling you to do them, but it doesn't mean you should automatically dismiss them, right? There's there's often some some tangible and objective data out there that that a lot of other people are valuing. So take it with a grain of salt. You're not putting. Uh, much like your evaluation, right? And your return to sport testing, because that's the world we live in where everybody likes to argue about that all the time, you're not putting any more value on any one given thing. The more that you have this aggregation of, of data, the better off you're able to look at that and maybe potentially come up with certain trends um, or, or, or certain uh, things that, in terms of painting this more broad picture, better define your your business health so um, figure out your balanced dashboard your balanced dashboard can be applied to a lot of different things we obviously could go behind the scenes with regards to finances and, and stuff like that but whole um, other
1: conversation
0: hundred percent but your, you know your, your balanced dashboard uh, is most likely going to lead you to better decision making uh, and giving you a better gauge for what actually is going on. Uh, behind the scenes in your business. And, and, and right, it's, it, it's, and I, I always look at that and I go, well, this is telling us whether or not a process actually works. And if I'm not getting what I want to here, we need to go back to process.
1: I was just, you took it, took the words huh. out of my mouth. I was going to say, having that balanced dashboard allows you to make better shared decision-making. Um,
0: 100%. Better,
1: better, shared, better shared decisions. Yes, just like, just like we would do with a return to sport after an ACL, it's a shared decision-making between the therapist, the coach, the parent, the, the patient, whoever it is, everybody's got some input. So when you look at a good balanced dashboard, and, and just for people who aren't familiar when we're talking about what a dashboard is, it's where you have what metrics you're using to evaluate your business. And those metrics can be your net promoter score, it could be your net profit, it can be patient satisfaction, it can be whatever it is for your business you want to have on that dashboard, and it's different for everyone and should be, right? Yes, but- and dare I
0: say, after 10K SB, my dashboard looks a lot more like an Excel spreadsheet at this point, and I know I you can relate. I-
1: I can't even go into Excel spreadsheets right now. Um, But yeah, so just so people know, like your dashboard is anything that you're using to measure something, a process in your business. So it can be a whole boatload of different things. But just like we do with patients to look at that dashboard and be able to, to look at it with your team, employees, whomever and be able to make informed shared decisions on how you're going to move that business forward, how you're going to make changes in your process, like you said earlier. So perfect. Perfect. All right. Now last question or actually no, where can people find you? Let's talk about that
0: first. For sure. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is probably where I interact with the most. I try to keep Facebook, honestly, just a community connection. So if you friend me on Facebook, don't take it the wrong way. I just try to keep the PT side of things uh, off of Facebook. But from a professional connectivity standpoint, at drjoshfunk on Twitter and Instagram. My email is also drfunk at rehabtoperform.com. If you really want to get a hold of me, DM me on social media, get my phone number, text me your availability. That's the best way to get things done email right now is very chaotic. We just opened up a new location. I'm also getting married in about three weeks. So my life is not necessarily um, all that organized. And it's just because there's a lot of moving parts right now. So email, not the best place, but I'm very happy to interact, always happy to make time for a call, especially when I'm driving. Sometimes I like to just honestly plan a, a call for when I'm driving between locations or something like that.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving people all that info. And last question, knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Let's say a a young grad out of PT school.
0: I think I would have focused more on expanding my horizons outside of healthcare and physical therapy sooner. I think the more that I started to look at what was going on in other industries, other professions, It made me better at PT, and especially made me better at running a business. I can safely say that much of healthcare practices from a business standpoint are extremely dated, and that you are better off spending time studying businesses in other industries for inspiration. It's not to say that there's not some people that are doing amazing work in our profession and healthcare as a a whole, but I would say the collective uh, is still, I I, almost at this point, I wonder if it's decades behind just with regards to just how they're operating. So uh, continuing being open for inspiration in a wide variety of different places. You'd be surprised if you just had an open mind, um, what you might be able to see in something that maybe at one point in your life, you you maybe just glanced past or, or completely ignored.
1: Love it. Excellent advice. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. And again, for the listeners tomorrow at 7.30, yeah, right? No, eight. Oh, my gosh. Where's my head? Sure. Tomorrow, uh, the 27th at 8 p.m., we're going to have our roundtable with Josh, Erica Mello, Michelle Colley and Shante Cofield. Um, so if you haven't signed up yet, definitely sign up because we're going to be talking like this, but probably more in depth. And we need your questions. This is a, this is your chance to ask people like Josh and Shantae and Erica and Michelle any question you want To have these four people together on one sort of stage, it's not going to happen anywhere else. So now's your chance. Ask those questions. You ask those burning questions to um, four amazingly successful entrepreneurs in the physical therapy space. So I encourage you all to sign up. You could do that at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Click on the tab that says Roundtable Talks. So Josh, thanks so much. And again, looking forward to tomorrow. So thanks.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Always appreciate the opportunity to share. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Great. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A huge thanks to Josh for such a great episode. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, NetHealth. Again, if you want to sign up for a complimentary marketing audit with NetHealth's digital marketing solutions, where you can get the tools you need to beat the competition. To get found, get chosen, and get those five-star reviews on Google, they have an offer where you sign up, complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win. They'll buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.